0: I'm thrilled to announce that TSK has returned as headline sponsor for another season. We all see that the world of work has changed. We've seen a true workplace revolution in the last few years. The line between work and life is blurred. We believe the fundamentals of this change is here to stay. When you're a leader in that environment, you're probably having those ongoing questions through the uncertainty. Questions around how we can draw people back to the workplace, how we can stay competitive Where are staff supposed to work? Can we measure office utilization? How do we transition into hybrid working? How do we maintain the company culture and how much space do we actually need? Why do we even need an office? TSK has spent over two decades helping some of the world's biggest brands to create inspiring places to work for their people. Working with them to create robust workplace strategies, creative design solutions and quality built environments. T.S.K.'s track record is impressive, and we wanted to share some of those insights and stories with our listeners here on the Bortville Podcast. Well-known global brand, Kellogg's, has always maintained their values for a concrete and positive company culture, expressing this as hashtag, like at K. This was most important at the Dublin offices, home of the Kellogg's European headquarters. In 2019, T.S.K., our headline sponsor, began working with Kellogg's to realize their dream workplace to help their local and European community thrive. But then, an unforeseen global event turned the project on its head. More on that later in the show. Welcome back to the World Bowl podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions, space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate In any way, if you're an investor, fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and this is episode five of season eight sponsored by TSK. Why are people going to come back into an office when we can get our work done at home? That's been a recurring question lately no one wants to go into a stale workplace or worse a toxic office environment we want to go where we're inspired and feel the buzz of energy from other passionate people working towards their goals most of us want to go where we feel we belong a place to stimulate our thinking to challenge our ideas to cheerlead our progress a community we can tap into for that energy when we need it there's that word again but what does community really mean In episode one this season, Liz Elam and I talked about why community was needed. Now for the how. In this episode, I'm joined by Kat Johnson, industry-leading community builder, content strategist, and coach for co-working operators. We discussed how to be intentional about curating community, the resources and roles needed to activate community, and why a community manager is commercial real estate's most important hire. She says community can't be built on BS. Kat explains how we can keep it real when curating a community, which leads to storytelling and differentiating the brand to attract people to that community who are aligned with what that brand stands for. And that leads to content marketing. You're going to want to share quotes from this episode on social media or with your colleagues. It's so good. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on topics you will cover, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at camel underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. Earlier in the show, we introduced the beginning of a workplace transformation for Kellogg's European headquarters. To tell you more about that story, let's hear from the design and build team behind the project, TSK.
1: Our existing relationship with Kellogg's spanned back to 2018 when we designed and delivered their world-class UK head offices in Manchester. We were ready to raise the bar in Dublin building a strategy to see the team move from two buildings into one unified, open plan and connected space at Dublin Airport. The design had been agreed, work was already underway, then Covid hit. Headlines like, the office is dead, is remote work in here to stay, were circulating and businesses around the globe were reconsidering what the purpose of the office was for them. But if anything, it solidified the work we were about to do. We wanted to create a space which is more representative of our brand, the way we've innovated and changed in the market. We wanted our offices to look and feel like that as well. It sort of comes back to our four C's about connection, creativity, culture, and collaboration.
0: Welcome back to the Bortable Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and today I'm joined by Kat Johnson. Kat is an industry-leading content strategist and coach for co-working space operators, Founder of Coworking Combos and The Lab Workspace Marketing Club, Kat is all in on helping operators activate their content and their community. Her website, KatDotson.co, see the link in the show notes below, has a library of digital tools for space operators and community builders. She hosts regular virtual workshops and roundtable discussions, as well as coaches, co-working owners and teams. And I am very delighted for her to be here today. Welcome to the World Ball podcast, Kat.
2: Thank you, Caleb. Great to be here.
0: Uh, it's so great. I've been following your newsletter for so long and getting lots of tips um, and uh, really appreciate uh, the content you put out. So thank you for being here.
2: Of course. I remember the first time I saw you at Juicy UK in 2018. My first impression of you was handstands on the stage.
0: <laughs> well you know we're well, silly americans when we get her in the uk but in my defense in my defense uh justin harley who was running that uh year running the juicy that year in the uk uh he told me to shake things up uh to do things uh that is going to shake it up it's going to be an unconference not like any other conference so i said can i do a handstand he said absolutely please do it
2: i love it it's perfect it was a great way to kick it off
0: well, we also held up signs um, on the stage with the F word on it. So um, I think that was a little bit more uh, <laughs> crossing yeah, I the boundaries that. than I can stand. <laughs>
2: I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember what it said, though? There was one sign that said um, juicy F yeah, or something. Yes, right. Yeah. Is
0: yes. that right? Yes, that is I right. It a juicy, juicy fuck. Yeah. And I had somebody That's yell right. it. Yeah. I had somebody from the audience yell it. Um, so it was fantastic.
2: I remember it's all coming back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is not your typical start to the workbook podcast, but um, Hey, here we are. Um, I, I, love this, uh, what we're going to talk about today, because uh, we keep hearing the word community thrown around um, in the co-working world, in commercial real estate, in workplace, and as we get into the future of work and return to office, dare I say, conversation. Um, But what does it really mean? Uh, Community. I wrote an article for my newsletter uh, recently talking about the three C's of commercial real estate. I talked about community, but you talk about community every day and your website even says co-working content community. You're the marketing 101 for community builders. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you is talk a little bit about community in general, but then more specifically, I want to go into how to be intentional about curating community and where does the brand fit into that? And potentially maybe where are the resources needed to support community building. So, um, Maybe I'll start and ask you this question because uh, I personally believe that communities don't just pop up overnight; they have to be curated intentionally. What do you think?
2: I agree one hundred percent, and I—that's one of the main problems I see with this explosion of co-working flex space. Um, service office, all the things is that people have the sense that they can just open a flex space and that it's going to be an activated community and nothing could be further from the truth. It's it's basically just going to be office rental until you activate it. It's, it takes intention. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of emotional labor. It's all the, the kind of stuff that's dismissed as soft skills, but being in an unactivated workspace is the worst. So you have to find ways to create a sense of community in there. And I want to
0: zero in on that word activate. Uh, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, so let me, I'll, I'll just paint a picture for you. The very first co working space I went into and joined, um, I was trying to decide between two. This one space was running a special, but if I signed for a year, got this great deal. So I went in and worked there thinking I was going to connect with a lot of people and the space itself was fine, but literally no one was engaging with each other. No one was talking. And I was actively trying to like reach out and make connections, you know, in the, in the coffee line, I'd start chatting with people and they almost looked at me like, "Mm -hmm," like there was just not a lot of interest in connecting. And so I would go in and sit at my desk by myself or Hours and then go home. And after a while, after a few months, Caleb, I had this twelve-month kind of agreement with them. But after a few months, I just stopped going because I thought, well, I can just work by myself at home. Like I don't need to be going into a space to work alone. Well, this
0: is the thing. You know, we we we. I have been working from home. You know, throughout the pandemic and you know the last year, we've basically think everything's coming back to life, and which is fantastic. Um, but you know, we. Why do we, why are we going to go in somewhere when we can get stuff done at home? And there's different reasons for different people, but often what I hear and, you know, even just speaking anecdotally about myself is, is I want to be around people that inspire me, um, that give me some energy. I want to feed off that energy. Um, I don't necessarily need to be around every day, but I do want to plug into it. Um, so how, how can, how can we as operators, I guess, I don't know, ensure that, that energy is taking place, in your opinion?
2: Well, as my friend Iris Kavanaugh always says, your community manager is your most important hire. And she stands by that. And, you know, I really believe that there's a lot that goes into creating a brand, creating a space, scaling a brand. There are a lot of really important pieces, but I'm concerned that people treat the community management position as a receptionist job. And you're never going to activate a space if you don't have someone who is... Intentionally making connections between people, setting a tone of collaboration and mutual support, um, giving people opportunities to teach lunch and learns, to kind of share their expertise. Um, that takes so much intention. And I see more and more spaces are kind of hiring like whoever, somebody's niece or nephew who needs a job and without a great sense or kind of intention behind what it means to be building a community.
0: I wholeheartedly agree uh, that a lot of places that I've walked into uh, a lot of landlords that I've spoken to, they felt like they could sort of throw some desks together and um, or create these, these suites in different areas for different companies, um, but they don't activate it. um, And they, they don't have a proper receptionist in some cases, but even when they have a team member there that is supposed to, um, as a community manager, they they are just limited to being a receptionist, and so I I, res- that, I relate to what you're saying. And what I often uh, talk with my team about here uh, in in the exchange where I'm sitting today, or across our bold locations, is that that community manager role is the best friend of our members. They're the ones who. From the first tour to onboarding, they're getting to know that person and what makes them tick, and uh, what's going to be success for them, and who they need to meet, what help do they need, what resources they need, and then introduce them to the right people. So uh, it sounds to me like a no-brainer, but um, you know, what? How do you how do you advise your co-working clients how to look for that person that's going to be able to do that?
2: you know, in terms of hiring, that's out of my wheelhouse, but I've been a member of five spaces. I've worked out of countless spaces. And what you just said is a huge missing piece of co-working. Like the worst thing you can do is sign a new member and then set them loose to just be on their own. It takes a while. It takes months sometimes to kind of feel at home in a space. Like even like, where's the coffee? Where's the restroom? Where's this or that meeting room? Like, finding a sense of it, making connections. When you get dropped into an existing community, there are just tons of people and you don't really know what anyone does. You might like chat with, with someone here or there, but the best thing operators can do is Like you said, get to know that person on the tour, in the onboarding. What are they working on? What are their challenges? What are they helping to get from the space? Who do they want to connect with? And then making sure you connect this person like, hey, Kat, this is David. He just joined. He's working on a book about blah, blah, blah. This is Kat. She's also a writer and a content strategist. You two probably have some stuff to talk about. And then next time I see David, I'm like, oh, hey, David, what's going on? There's like some context there. And I think um, just setting people loose into a sea of co-working because some people are really – was going to say bold some people are really you know outgoing and really comfortable reaching out talking to a bunch of people but a lot of people are not that comfortable it's a bit intimidating to join a new space so kind of facilitating that and and accelerating the not just the onboarding but the community integration piece is so important
0: well i think that um communities themselves they they don't there's a little bit of science and a little bit of art to it, but they don't just happen uh, to pop up. You you have to intentionally curate those communities. And um, I, I I always like to say that why are people going to come in? They're going to come, come into a place. They're going to go where they feel like they belong and where they feel taken care of. And that belonging piece is, is about who's around them and and how that space takes and how the space is designed and how it feels, but also the content, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, So, do you have any, I don't know, best practices or what have you seen across the co-working landscape of some of the best communities? How do they get started? Or do you have any are there any tips that you can share?
2: I get this question a lot about how to, to start a community and <clears throat> excuse me, from my experience growing The Lab, which is our workspace marketing club, I seeded it with a few people who I knew would be amazing members. I was like, this is what I'm working on. I think it's going to be great. Would you like to join? And I reached out to a handful of people I knew would be engaged. I knew they really get co-working. Um, they, can, they understand that collaborative thing. So I seeded it with people who were great. And then as new members joined, like I actually had a member tell me, she said, when I joined the community, I saw people sharing resources, being really generous, sharing like email templates and, and different PDFs with each other about how they handle things. And she said, and I thought to myself, oh, this is what it's like here. So she started sharing and jumping in with a really generous mindset. And I think that having that in place from the get-go was absolutely key. So how do you do that in a co-working space? I mean, old school co-workers would say, you can start doing community building before you even have a space, right? You can do pop-ups, you can do like let's meet at the pub and, and work together for a few hours. You can start doing some community building So that then by the time you open the doors, you actually have people because what what we're seeing, we both see this, whether it's um, landlords or commercial real estate people or franchisees, they get this fabulous space. They're like, okay, open the doors, swing them wide, and nobody's there. And they're like, what do we do now? We have this fabulous space, but either nobody's in it or the people who are in it are just going to their office and closing the door. It's feeling a lot like executive suites, you know? So um, seeding that and then putting things in place from the very beginning. Like once you do open the doors, give people ways to connect without you. This is probably my, my best community building tip. Like if everything has to go through you, you're a single point of failure, right? You would want your members to have access to each other online, whether Slack or some other group. Um, you want to have standing events like a happy hour or something where people just know that they're going to have these opportunities to connect. And like with a happy hour, a weekly standing event, you may put out you know, the, the nibbles and drinks, but people should be able to connect without you. So that's another huge community building tips, like get out of the way, let's put everything in place, but then make sure it doesn't have to go through you.
0: I love that. I love that. Often um, we talk about being the conductors of the orchestra over here. We're not playing all the musical instruments. We're just, uh, you know, conducting the orchestra, putting the right people together and um, getting the right partners in the ecosystem uh, that will uh, bring in the right content or you know events and um, and then sort of let it happen organically. Um, so yeah I agree with you 100% you, Kat, you tweeted out something that I thought was gold and uh, you had these 22 tips um, for building community in a co-working space and um, you know I, I, I'm not going to go through them all here but uh, maybe I'll share a link to the thread uh the, the the twitter thread on uh, in, in the show notes of this this episode but one of the, the very first thing you start off with is keep it real you said community can't be built on bs uh, so show up as yourself encourage people to be themselves and set a tone of realness in your space how does it who are you talking to there are you talking to when you say <laughs> when you say show up as yourself who are you talking to the ceo of the company or are you talking about a community manager or or what
2: Oh, Caleb, you're talking to the heart and soul of all my work, like beyond co-working. I just feel like as humans, like we're so much better when we're brave enough to bring our authentic selves. I feel like our world is so much better and it's really hard. It's way easier to kind of have have personas and and professionalism and, and kind of things that that we can stand behind. But so to answer your question. There's kind of the longstanding thing that's like, you are not your brand. Well, I would argue that in co-working, the people, definitely the people in the space are the brand. Like the tone, if I walk in and there's, you know, quote, a receptionist sitting at the desk who's head's down on their phone or whatever that totally sets a tone for the brand and the opposite if i walk in and someone is like welcome what's going on you know you're here for a tour great give me give me 2 minutes and there's a really engaged thing i can tell that there's an activated community i can tell the person really cares about what's happening for their members like that is the brand so it goes back to the hiring piece but And then also, is it the CEO? Maybe. It depends on how many steps away. If the CEO is in the space, working in the space, getting to know people, 100% they should be contributing to the conversations around the brand because whether they like it or not they are representing the brand they are the brand people are looking to that person and that person sets the tone and as we know the the person um, the owner operator or CEO could be anyone from a, a group of, of bit of come uh, commercial real estate people to a single owner operator and everything in between. But in coworking, they very much are, are that brand. And you know, how there are so many different flavors of coworking, you know, everything from really informal, just kind of really community focused up to essentially office rental, um, everything in between those, those things ring down from, the people who own and operate the space, so they're setting the tone anyway. Even in like their furniture selection and what kind of prints they have on the wall. So
0: <laughs> we have elephant heads on uh, in, in our bold locations because I love it. <laughs> well, because bold people don't ignore the elephant in the room. We call it out.
2: <laughs> I remember seeing that but you tweeted it, or maybe it's on the website <laughs> or something a while ago. I love that, Caleb. I love that.
0: I love. I love how <laughs> but, you. Sorry, you're gonna say.
2: Um, I, I just think it's important that if, like, whatever flavor of coworking you've decided you're going to be, there's a reason for that, whether hip and informal or more formal, uh, you know, more luxury kind of situation. There's a a reason. So let us in on that story. Who are you? Why do you care about this? Why is this the tone you're setting? Why are the, why is this the group of people that you're serving? Like there's um, one of my gripes with coworking sometimes is that it dismisses the the people on the other side who've been running executive suites and office rental and, and things like that. And my, the way I see it is like if your vision of community only includes certain people, you've lost the thread completely. Like every single human wants to feel a sense of belonging every single human. So creating a space where people can have that sense of belonging is gold and I don't care which side of the co-working spectrum you're on.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And I like how, um, in, in that thread I, I referenced earlier, you talk about being part of the community and, um, not standing outside the circle, but, um, actually showing up in that community. So, you know, but this is the question I have because it's easy to do in the beginning for for an, an entrepreneur uh, to be part of their community early on. And but as they start scaling, uh, do you think Adam Newman was part of his community? Is is um, you know Charlie Green and Ollie over at the Office Group? Are they? I, I, I'm generally you know asking these questions a little bit rhetorically. But um, how does an entrepreneur stay part of that community as they scale?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Caleb. And maybe uh, like those two may, maybe outliers, you know, they're really big and doing really well. Um, I would say in that instance, I switched to my content brain, they can be creating like maybe it's like a monthly check in from the CEO, you know, just being continuing to be a part of things. I don't imagine they could be in every Slack or even working out of every space. Um, but I think there is a way so that people know that they're part of something special. Like we work, let's, you know, I'll, I'll let them speak for that. I'll let that whole thing speak for itself. But like with the office group, those spaces are amazing and they're popping up all over and they're all unique and they're all very cool. It's like I would, being a member of an office group space, I would feel like gives there's a sense of pride, there's a sense of of something in there. So I'd want to hear like what is this thing we're a part of? And for the for one of those, for um Ollie or Charlie to knock out a blog post once a month seems like a good way to to stay connected or any operator, not to put those guys on the spot. But um, I just uh, what- think that's a that's an easy way.
0: Well, that's a that's a good segue actually because I do want to come on to content and um, I think the you know, content is is a challenge because um, you know we're talking about historically um, you know we're the skill set within our industry we're, we're hospitality driven um, we're, we're entrepreneurial um, we're running offices so we're operational but um, we have to be you know content writers and, and marketing people as well. So how, how I don't know, where, where, do, where do we start in that conversation, Kat?
2: Yeah, Caleb, the the struggle is real. I get it completely. And that, I mean, that's why I do the work I do with helping and supporting operators because it's a huge job and it's outside of all the things it takes to run a workspace, a workspace Like I get it completely. And my concern is that people dismiss it or um, hand it off to somebody else to do or kind of diminish the importance of having a really strong social media presence. It's like this industry is growing too fast. You're going to have too much competition to just sit back and think that pay to play Is going to be how you're going to get people into the space. It's like that means anyone with deeper pockets than you will outspend you, and you just got booted, right? So, I feel like content is the most powerful marketing tool that you have. Okay, hold on, hold stop right here. I want to repeat
0: that. I want to repeat that. Content marketing is the most powerful tool that you have. Is that is that what you said?
2: I I say that. And with that, I include your newsletter, like email, of course, should be at the top of your priorities, but also having a cohesive presence across social media so that whether people are on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, that when they see you, they're going to have a feel for your brand they're going to see you and your team as thought leaders in the industry, which is a whole separate wormhole, but it's like the best thing you can do. They're going to see you as a community hub. They're going to see you as a community resource, like brands and spaces that are just sitting back, kind of pumping out generic Content and social media posts, or I, I'm concerned, are just going to get lost in the, in the crowd. Um, if there's kind of a test, I encourage people to do that. If your content could be for any co-working space in the world, you need to dig way deeper. You need to take it way more seriously because it doesn't matter that you have desks and Wi-Fi and good coffee like every co-working space in the world has those things. So then it's like a much deeper question like okay so who are you? What are you about? Who's in your space? What do they care about? Like you get into the deeper stuff that's the differentiators. Like some people will choose a space because because excuse me because it's two blocks from their house. But a lot of people are looking at spaces and looking at the photos of the people, looking at the blog, checking them out on social media, trying to get a sense of like, am I going to feel welcome and comfortable in this space? So that's where content just becomes, uh, it becomes the thing that pushes people to you.
0: So I I agree with you hundred percent, but I I do want to play sort of the devil's, not not devil's advocate, but I want to, I want to play a different role here. Um, So historically, we, the co-working business or the predecessor serviced office executive suite business, um, we've relied on inbound uh, leads from brokers, uh, which basically, you know, we didn't have to do any marketing or sales. I mean, maybe a little bit of guerrilla marketing, but not proper like content marketing, social media. Well, social media wasn't a thing when this industry got started. So now going back to what you said, content marketing is your biggest tool in, in the whole social media aspect um, <laughs> uh, gosh, we could go so deep on this, um, Kat, and I think we'd probably need another episode. And, or maybe actually no, people need to just go in, and plug into your club. Um, but um I do want to hear maybe some high-level stuff from you on the social media stuff because often I see people trying to get into social media uh with their co-working brand. And it's what you said earlier. It's the desk and it's the flexibility and the Wi Fi and the coffee, which is all the, what I call the hardware. And it has to be there, of course, but everybody else has it. It's table stakes, right? Um, but it's the software that we have. People, like you said, want to know what you're about. So, like, but how, how, how do you do that and get that out that's repeatable across your locations as you scale and make sure that? What's in the entrepreneur's brain is also in the team's brain. Uh, Do you have tips around that?
2: You know, here's the answer that nobody wants to hear. There's no easy way to do it. Like, I have been trying for years, like, what's the one off that I could sell operators and just do done for you content? But the reality is good content. And you know, this, I see the bold posts, I see your posts. Good content is unique and specific to you and your community and your culture and your vibe. You know, people try to outsource it and it comes back generic. Um, There's just not uh, an easy way to do it other than to be intentional about it, to prioritize it, to put it within your priorities. I'm not saying it's the most important thing in your space. I would say serving your members every day is, is the most important thing in your space, but, um, putting resources behind it, getting people who understand each platform, like LinkedIn is a completely different tool than Instagram Reels. And I'm constantly trying to like, oh God, Reels changed again. I have to do a thing different. Like keeping up with that, LinkedIn feels way more evergreen For me, it feels like I, to be honest, I'm way more comfortable there because I can just write. But um, all of my members of the lab are on Instagram. A lot of my potential members are on Instagram. So I have to have a decent presence there. But I can't just throw up a generic graphic that's like, co workings great. You know, I have to get in there and be like, this is how co-working changed my life. So I think the... When I'm working one-on-one with space operators, like, what resources do you have? Like, are you a writer? Do you have a writer on your team? Or do you have access to a videographer? Do you have somebody who's excellent at reels? We either within your membership or that you could bring into your membership, maybe do a trade or something, but find out what you're working with, what assets you have, first of all, figure out which platforms are going to work for you, but then be intentional about it. And with the people who understand those platforms, Give them the parameters, give them the goal and then set them loose. Like it doesn't make sense for um, the space operator to also be trying to be the lead on Instagram and the lead on LinkedIn and the lead on Twitter threads and all those things. If that's their superpower, you've got a unicorn on your hands. But it's probably not. So figuring out which platform um, and which assets you have that you can use to make the best use of those, because kind of putting out bland, generic content on those platforms isn't going to move the needle at all. It has to feel like your space. And if it feels like one of a hundred working spaces, you're not there yet.
0: I'd also say it's, um I, I, I kind of chuckle every time I see somebody posting, um, a picture of a, of a desk and saying, you know, come, come work for here for, I don't know, 150 pounds a month or $250 a month or whatever it might be. Um, and it, it's, it's sort of selling, selling, selling and social media, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, obviously one of the best known social media influencers around, uh, he had this book, dab, 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 right hook. And he, Talks about you know when you're bo- uh, the boxer in the ring, you you have to hit him you know three or four jabs before you can go up with the right hook. Otherwise, they'll knock you out because they'll be they won't you know you hit him in the jab and jab and jab. They won't expect the right hook. And here in social media, <laughs> I see people often writing um, the right hook all the time, and they're going to the call to actions. They're trying to sell, and it's you know social media is about. It's about branding, um, but uh, I'm wondering if if you have any I don't know tactical tips or and I keep saying the word tips because you 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 tweeted out 22 of them <laughs> so I'm gonna keep going back to that word. But do you have do you have any sort of best advice and and maybe the best advice is to you know join your virtual monthly events, the co working combos to learn more. But are there any tips for you know the right way to to convert and to measure ROI on social media.
2: So Kaylo, I just wanna amplify something that you said that social media is about brand that is 100 true like that I, I see it we see it spaces where everything's a special everything's trying to sell or this discount or whatever and people just go blind to that social media is an opportunity to position differentiate uh attract your people like like there's a lot there so i thanks for saying that i agree completely and then um this is how I look at it. And not everybody agrees. In fact, recently, I, am, I told in the, in the lab, I said, I've reached trollability level. Recently, people have been commenting on some of my posts, like a month or so ago, someone said, will you please stop talking about community? I was like, Um, no, because their concern was that that is at the expense of running a business. And number one, I, that's not at all what's happening, right? Community becomes the, the engine that powers your business, but that's a separate topic. And then somebody commented over the weekend or maybe Friday, they said, like, I don't understand what like generosity marketing is an act of generosity. You lost me. You know, And it's like the way I see it, this is um, not misaligned with, with what Gary's talking about. It's like with your marketing, you should know your community and your members so well that you're serving, serving, serving. You're sharing resources. You're sharing tips. You're positioning your space as a helpful resource and hub over and over and over and over. And then When you put out the offer, when I mention the lab or convos, then it just becomes an obvious next brainer because I've provided so much value through all across my blog, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the things. Right. It's just like helping, 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 helping. And then people are like, I know what I'm talking about and um, there are opportunities to dig in deeper with that. So that's the value of social media is like help. Showcase your community, serve people, um, position yourself as this incredible resource for remote workers, freelancers, small businesses, startups, um, solopreneurs, all the things, so that it becomes the top of mind space when they need a workspace. That's it. That's it. And, you know,
0: I got got to, your keyword I want to amplify is brand. You've said this multiple times in this last. Uh, 20 minutes or so. And um, I want to ask your your views on brand So, uh, because there's a lot of independent uh, co-working operators. There's quite a few mid-sized um, brands and, and there's a couple of big ones out there that we know. And I always use the hotel analogy uh, for the future of our industry uh, and that we'll have the, the big three or the big four global uh, eventually and then we'll have lots of other brands. But uh, how, how important is Brand to a customer's buying decision these days
2: I love that question. Um, I think it's I think it's everything. If, if we kind of go high level with brand, it's what people think and feel about your company and everyone has a brand. they might not know it or they might not be intentionally cultivating it. but people definitely think of something when they think of your brand whatever it is co-working or or beyond so it's wise to get in there and intentionally cultivate and create that and get ahead of like telling people who you are what you believe in your vision your values your community norms all those things help to to create a sense of brand. And I always think of co-working like coffee shops, like they're the big brands. And um, the way I say it, like in a city, I'll walk past four Starbucks to get to a local roaster that um, someone has recommended or that I saw that that feels like a better a better fit for me. Like when I'm on the road in Elko, Nevada, I'm stoked to find a starbucks because i can get you know i can get a cup of, but something that's not gas station coffee but um when i have the option i always like to go to the small brands and within that it's like even even the aesthetic from the outside the i'm a font nerd so it's like what kind of lettering do they do, do they use that speaks a lot and then the vibe in the space the people behind the counter like everything There is creating the sense of brand and just pop that onto co working, and it's the exact same experience, right? From walking by the window, what do you see? Because people are getting a hit about who you are and what you value just by walking by. And then they pop in and they have a different experience. And then they go on a tour and they have a different experience. And each one is just ideally deepening this same sense that they had. From the outside, you don't want to disconnect anywhere. So, I mean, brand is everything. I love, love, love talking about this and learning about it. I just picked up a book called *The Twenty-Two Immutable Laws of Branding*, and it's so good. It's just, it's just blowing my mind. Like, it, it takes some concepts that maybe that have floated around my mind, but I haven't had language. And seeing them laid out, I'm like, oh, that's so true. So yeah, I, I think about brand a lot and it's so important What like with what I'm doing, building my own Cat Johnson co-brand with what space operators are doing, coffee shops, whatever. It's all about brand.
0: Yeah, I'm all about brand. I'll keep using the hashtag brand matters. And I think brand matters in the future of commercial real estate um, as, as space as a service becomes more ubiquitous um, in, our, in our sector. Um, but then if I just tie back to content for a moment and community, Um, because I think there's a connection between content community and brand because the content and the community reinforces that brand. Um, You mentioned the brand marks with the fonts, and then you mentioned design and the look and feel, but then you've got that soft uh, content piece. So I'm wondering what's what's your view on how to connect and make sure that content community reinforce brand?
2: Hmm. I think the first thing is a step before that, like being clear on who you are and what you do this. I see this a lot. I'm sure you see this a lot where people have extra space. So they're like, we're just going to make it co-working. And without a clear sense of who is even going to be in there, who are you going to serve? Like that, the idea is that we'll just take everyone or anyone. Um, I think having A clear sense of values, community, Um, vision is a really big one. Like, what do you, if everything went exceptionally well, what would that space look like, right? And then kind of reverse engineering from there, making sure your content, making sure the community that you're attracting, that you're putting programming in front of, that you're putting content in front of is all in line with that kind of end goal of who you see in there. But a lot of just businesses in general i think don't have a clear sense of their mission vision values and it sounds really obvious but when you're forced to kind of put it on on paper or express it not everybody can and that we're in a really interesting time obviously but people it's no longer enough for a brand just to exist like people want to know what you stand for, whether you sell shoes or co-working or coffee, people are like, what are you about? And it's no longer enough to not be about something because people want to put their money and their time and their energy behind brands that are aligned with them. And it's, that's a lot of pressure on a brand, on a coffee shop or something, but that's, that's where we are. And when we think about the transformative potential of co-working, I feel like this is an essential piece of it. If you're renting offices, that's one thing. If you're trying to establish a co-working community and a co-working brand, that's a whole different thing. And that, that requires a lot of clarity around vision values, people, service mindset, all the, the software, as you call it. I I
0: always, I always say, you know, just a talk about the bold brand. um, We are not the bold Bold is, is not a co working operator. Bold is not a brand itself. Bold is an idea. It's the idea that um, we have to stand up and challenge the status quo to improve the world. And we want to put that first and foremost in front of everything we do um, because that's, People who think like that are who we want to serve because that's who we want to be around. And, you know, I think if we can make that core value front and center, then that will attract the like-minded people. And then that's how you get the community started. Um, because ultimately, the brand itself is is not what you say. It's, it's what other people say and it's, how, and it's how they feel about about you.
2: Exactly. And mission accomplished, Caleb. I'm, you know, I'm watching you here from, from the States and Bold is, uh, not only do I love the aesthetic, but I see the content you're pushing out and I see you. And it's like, I feel like I had a really, before this conversation, I now know more about you and Bold than ever before. But even before we chatted, I feel like I had a good sense of what was happening. And I love the fortune favors the bold. I love the tackling the elephant in the room. Like I I've gotten that from your, from your brand before we ever chatted. So mission accomplished.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate and, and grateful to, uh, to have the, the backing of, of new flex, um, and the team there because certainly couldn't you know, do all this without without them and, and, and the team. Um, But uh, it's, it's just, it started from day one um, just being all about the entrepreneur. And uh, this is one of the things I I like about what you're doing because you're helping entrepreneurs in our industry. So it's uh, I've been following your content as well. And, and, and uh, as I said, uh, subscribe to your newsletter. And uh, it sounds like I need to be in your co-working combos now, and, and, and oh, you for <laughs> sure do, Caleb. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, in fact, um, you know, uh, right now, stop what you're doing, pause this, and go to catjohnson.co and sign up for her newsletter right now. Um, you have to do that. We'll put a link in the show notes, of course, as well. Cat, um, where do you want people to connect with you on social media?
2: Thank you, Caleb, and thanks for having me. So. I love LinkedIn. It's my favorite. Cat um, Johnson Co. I think is my is the the URL over there. It's like LinkedIn slash in. But if you just search for me, you'll find me. Um, then we're on Instagram, Cat Johnson Co. Twitter, I'm on the fence about. I'm trying to figure out if it's worth my time, to be honest. I enjoy it, but um, I'm not sure there's a great ROI there. But the thing I would love is if people come to a co-working convo. These are free monthly virtual events with workspace operators around the world. They just light me up. We do a Zoom call. We keep everyone has their video on. So there are these giant conversations um, I host them. I have four to five guests each time, and we just learn, share, and connect from each other. And like last last month, we had one hundred and thirty one, People register, so they're they're definitely a thing. You'll learn a ton. you'll make some cool connections, and it's it's kind of celebrating our co-working, the global co-working community. And then people who are interested in getting serious about their marketing and their content, um, the the lab is the place to be. We just go there all day every day. There's tons of coaching and resources, and the people in there are amazing. our Our lab community is amazing.
0: You also have the shop too. And I was looking at some of the, the content you have there. It's, it's rich.
2: Yeah, thank you. So the shop is, we're constantly building it out, but it's marketing resources for space operators. Um, we take some of the group coaching, sell them as one-offs. We also have resources, templates, things like that. So definitely check check that out as well. Thanks, Caleb.
0: Okay, I have one final question for you. And, and this is... Um... Uh, just out of, out of the, out of the air here. But um, so you have um, obviously you're, you're coaching and helping lots of coworking operators with content community. Um, is there whether within your clients or beyond within our industry, is there someone that is sort of, in, let me say that again, Jeff, three, two, one, is there someone that we should all go follow because they're putting out amazing content?
2: Within co-working,
0: yeah. So someone, some someone that is living and breathing what should be
2: done. You know, my top of mind example is Huga H Y G G E in Charlotte. Um, Garrett, who runs the space, is has a background in in marketing and branding, and Alyssa, who does a lot of their reels. She, they're they're just so good at it and they're building a community so well you can tell what they sell is community and i they do it masterfully across social so i could think of a bunch of examples but Huga is always top of mind for me just they have a very strong brand and their content game is on point
0: Awesome. Well, we will certainly put a link to them as well. And thank you for taking the time to to share today and uh, really appreciate everything you're doing for our industry and looking forward to staying in touch and having some offline conversations. But uh, just really appreciate it.
2: Likewise, Caleb, I have thoroughly enjoyed this and I enjoy following you and, and all the industry things happening in London. So thanks for everything you do.
0: And now, the final break to complete the story of how TSK helped Kellogg's create their workplace of the future. This time in the words of Kellogg's, which means I have to mention, I had a chance to meet Kellogg's European facilities manager, Derek McDonald on a recent trip to Manchester, England. Let's hear what he and his team have to say.
1: We found that we had a natural attrition rate where people, once we opened the office, with no pressure, they started to come back in.
2: Now, when you walk in the door here, the flavor that you get, you see all the branding, you see how light and airy and spacious it is. There's so many different spaces to work in, not just standard desks. It just really, really works very well. When we saw it come to life,
1: it was really interesting because you never really think it's going to look like it's going to in the picture, but it did. You definitely know it's a Kellogg's building when you walk into this floor, and I love the reaction
2: of everybody who comes here. It's
1: nice to now be proud of a workspace. When you look at the design of the office, TSK really understood that from where our culture is to where we wanted to be. We wanted people mingling, we wanted people to get to know each other. And it's very evident in the layouts, the designs. And when you look at our brands and our colors and our phone and our, our product, that's evident here. And that was great working with a team that understood what we were about, what we wanted.
0: Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and remember fortune favors the bold. Drumroll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com.
2: Making a high quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact, but not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests. And we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact Jason at apodcastcompany.com and let's talk.